0: Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Before we get into the text, just a kind of quick uh, little review of some things from uh, uh, the last lesson in Romans 10. Uh, we pointed out that uh, for Jew and Gentile alike, they are both saved by believing and heeding the Word of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 10, we see that by faith, anyone can become righteous before God because God has made His Word of faith available. And so it's accessible to us. And so everyone has that access. And so a saving faith is one that will submit to God and will submit to God by calling upon the Lord's authority in the manner he has prescribed, in the way that he has directed in that submission and that manifestation of allegiance. It is an obedient faith, and that is brought out throughout the the book of Romans. It's an obedient faith that actually grows out of an unashamed allegiance to the Eternal One, who was raised from the dead. And, and Romans 10 kind of emphasizes the allegiance there when it talks about the confession you know, of Christ who was raised from the dead. And so, this you know, idea of submitting by calling on the Lord's name is an obedient faith because of your unashamed allegiance, a life of uh, confessing you know, your adherence to the King. And so we get into the very last little bit of Romans chapter 10 where Israel's rejection of God's salvation is actually their own choice. You know, God didn't made, make them reject him. It was their own stubborn choice which was evident throughout their history as God's people. And what that illustrates to us is this very sad fact, you know, about you know, humanity is that everyone who hears God's word do not properly you know reflect that by their actions or that by their life. and that is a believer in God may not believe God and I think Israel's history manifests that you know. Yeah, that they were believers in Jehovah in, in various ways, in various degrees. But it is a history where they were a disobedient and rebellious uh, children because they didn't believe God. They didn't believe the truth and the word and the promise that he made. And so there's a number of, of uh, Old Testament uh, passages that uh, are mentioned here at the end of chapter 10. Isaiah, Psalm, Deuteronomy, and in summation, what those passages illustrate or explain to us is, first of all, Jews did not receive well the news of the suffering Messiah, (laughs) and so the question is, Lord, who has believed (laughs) the report, and Israel did not. They did not believe God's revelation, God's message about the suffering Messiah, and they also had failed to take to heart you know, what God's prophets foretold. And so that, you know, these quotations from these prophets of old, Isaiah, Moses, David, you know, what it illustrates is Israel didn't take to heart the message of those prophecies. And so, therefore, they continue to reject God's merciful calls to repent. And you see, you think about the Old Testament. Throughout their history, God is continuously calling them to repent. And when he finally sends his son you know, to the earth, and Jesus begins his ministry of preaching the gospel of the kingdom, you know, the uh, major component of that message is repent, for the kingdom is near. And they continue to reject that message. Now, I know that's a very quick review of of those kind of closing thoughts of chapter 10. And so I want to pick up our reading today. I'm going to start at verse 16, verse 16 of the 10th chapter. And I'm just going to read through verse 5 of chapter 11. Once again, I want us to see the flow here and the connection between the thoughts that are communicated, the ideas and the truth that is revealed in chapter 10 and how that leads into chapter 11. So I'm going to begin at Romans chapter 10, verse 16. However, they did not heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed, they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? For Moses says, first Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hand to a disobedient and obstinate people. I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they killed your prophets. They've torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I've kept for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed to the knee, their knee, to Baal. In the same way, then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious gift. The weekly briefing for you know, these first you know, a few verses through verse 15 of chapter 11 is the fact that God, by grace, has chosen to offer reconciliation to the world. Now, grace has been a major thread being woven throughout you know, the entire book of, of Romans. So the idea of God working by grace or through grace is not new. But he's trying to emphasize here that, okay, it is grace that comes from God that has made the possibility of reconciliation available and accessible to everybody. In chapter 11, Paul's defense of God's calling and of God saving men through the gospel actually focuses on how that relates to saving Jews. Chapter 10 emphasized or pointed out the fact that Israel was responsible for their actions. Israel was accountable for the choices that they made. And that's kind of the emphasis of chapter 10. You know, God, God had revealed himself. God had revealed his plan. You know, did they, did they not know? And, and the spirit through Paul is saying, yes, they did. They did know, you know they were just an obstinate, stubborn, rebellious people. And so chapter 11 emphasizes, okay, what about their salvation? How you know, can they be saved? And so it starts off with a question, has, has God rejected his people? That is, has he rejected all Jews forevermore? And the answer is certainly not. You know, may it never be, or God forbid. And so the first point, and you think about these first few verses, is the fact that God has not rejected all Jews just because they are Jews. And that's the point he's trying to make here. God has not. Israel as a nation rejected God's plan. Israel as a nation rejected God's anointed one. But God had not rejected all Jews from, being, from coming into that saved relationship. And so, you know, what we have here is the emphasis of the fact of, you know, God did have a plan. You think, the, you know, the idea, why did God choose Abraham? Why did God choose Abraham's family and subsequently, why did, and then the nation, why did God choose them originally? What would you say the, you know, the answer would be to that question? Someone started to say something. Right. Yes. And so go back to Genesis 12. And that promise that is repeated in the book of of Genesis. And then begins to be enacted and fulfilled and executed through the rest of the Old Testament. Into the New Testament period. And so it, it is a divine purpose. You know, Israel was in existence as a nation because it was is part of God's plan. It was His purpose to provide a nation, a holy nation, or sanctify nation through whom God would bring the world's savior. That 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 was their purpose: is to you know, to be. The, you know, just an essential component of the plan of God to provide salvation, reconciliation, not just for Israelites, not just for Jews, but for the world. Israel was part of that plan. So God is not unfair, you know, and, and that's brought out in chapter 9 and 10 as well. God is not unfair for rejecting a person for their unbelief. You know, that, that, that premise, you know, you know that, that has already been kind of laid down and argued and defended. That God is not unfair to reject a person for his unbelief, particularly if they do not believe in his son, his anointed one, who's the mediator, savior of mankind. And to illustrate the fact that all Jews are not rejected, Paul uses himself as an example. And so here, here he says... I am an Israelite. I am a descendant of Abraham. I am of a tribe of Israel. You know, you know, he's a Christian now, but ancestrally, his heritage, all his background, this is what he is. And so in a sense, he's still Jewish. But he's not, you know, you know, that's not what his faith is. That is you know, you know, his relation to God is not based upon being a Jew or you know, having been part of Judaism. No. He, he, his faith now is in Christ, but the fact that he is a Jew that was converted. And you think about that idea of just, just the magnitude of that. You know, what, what kind of Jew was he before he was converted? Give me a description of Saul. He was zealous. He's a zealous Jew. What else? Passionate. How passionate and zealous was he? He pursued Christians. And so, if you can have a passionate, zealous, devout, righteous Jew who thought it was his purpose in life to get rid of Christianity, if God can accept that kind of Jew, what about others? And isn't that, the, isn't that his argument in his uh, epistle to Timothy? When he talks about his past and he was a blasphemer, a violent aggressor, but he found grace. And he says, I am the chief of sinners," sinner. And he says, and my life is an example to all. Make, basically saying, if I can be saved, you can be saved. And that's true for any Jew. And so he starts out, okay, has God rejected all Jews just because they have this ancestral historical background? No, God has not. And so there is a distinction between a fleshly birth in a physical nation from a spiritual birth with a spiritual inheritance. Those are two different things. And so Paul's fleshly birth was he was Jewish, you know, he was, you know, part of physical Israel, but he had been born again. And because he'd been born again in Christ and of Christ, he now had a spiritual inheritance because he is by promise an heir of Abraham's promise. Isn't that what Galatians 3 is about? You all in Christ are heirs of... Of Christ heirs the promise of Abraham and so his first defense to the question is well yes okay Israel has rejected God Israel you know, did not believe the report the news from God they didn't believe it they rejected it well has God rejected everybody you know just automatically because they they're from that background no yeah and he says, I'm an example of that I'm not rejected even though I'm a Jew. And I'm not rejected even though I once was a persecutor. What changed that? What changed the whole thing? Well, faith. He became a true believer. He became one who believed, you know, who made that change you know, you know, you know, according to an allegiance to Christ. And he heeded, he obeyed, and was still obeying the will of God in Christ Jesus. And to, to add to that point, of the, to emphasize you know, the whole idea of, of, okay, God has not rejected you know, all Jews just because of their ancestral connection. He, said, he, he goes on to basically make the point that, okay, God knew beforehand that it would be a remnant of faithful ones that are going to be accepted. That a remnant of faithful ones are going to be the ones who are chosen. You know what? You know what does that point say about the whole? If the remnant is the one who's accepted, what does it say about the whole? The whole's not. Yeah. The whole. The the the, the You know. And so you think okay, a remnant of faithful ones, and so in a sense, a remnant of Israel, a remnant of physical Israel is the only ones who are going to be accepted. But they're going to have to believe. Go back to you know, you know first eight. Chapters of Romans, you know, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to recognize their spiritual condition and realize the only solution, the only remedy of salvation is Jesus Christ. And so you have this idea of, okay, the example of in the days of Elijah. Remember, that's northern Israel. uh, It's under King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. It's not a good time. uh, But we're told... How many composed the remnant of God's chosen in northern Israel? 7,000. A remnant of 7,000 Israelites had not been rejected, even though they lived in a nation that had rejected God for quite some time. But 7,000 were not rejected they were accepted. They, they, they were recognized as being part of the remnant. Because of their indig- individual faith, they refused to bow to Baal. While the nation was being judged, in the end, what happened to northern Israel? What do we you know historically? What, what happened to the nation of Israel in, in their capital, Samaria? They went into Captivity. And God warned them about this. God sent prophets, hey, if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. And it happened because of their hearts. And so the spiritual remnant of God's people are those who are righteous by faith in Christ. They're the ones who are not rejected. But the nation as a whole, that historically was a disobedient, rebellious nation, they, as a nation, as a whole, are not part of the gracious remnant of God's choice. But Jews can be. Individuals can turn to Christ and be accepted and numbered among the chosen. They can be part of this remnant. And Once again, it's important as you go through Romans to, to keep coming back to the idea, okay, acceptance or salvation are not first by the works of the law of Moses. They're not by... Meritorious works of self-righteousness, they're not by physical birth, they're not by being part of a physical nation. Us being saved today is not connected to us being in the United States of America. We are not saved because we're Americans, we're citizens of the United States. We are saved by faith in Christ, and that's God's grace. At work in us. And so he makes the point here in this verse. God's choice is based on grace. All along it's been based on grace. How he he chooses to bestow favor on those that he can accept. And so he's not rejected every single Jew. And even at that point, you think about you know, in verse five. and this, he says, "In the same way, then there there has come to be at the present time a remnant, according to God's gracious choice." Acts two. Acts two. Yeah, you have the remnant. You have the remnant at work. Because on that day, at the preaching of Jesus Christ, through the work of Christ, you know, Christ ministers. You see that. Uh, how many received the word and were baptized that day? Three thousand. Yeah, and so just like you had the seven thousand in Israel day in Israel's you know, day under King Ahab, beginning in Acts two. Acts two, you have the three thousand. Yeah, they they were accepted. They were not rejected, even though Israel as a whole was. And what's going to happen to Israel and Jerusalem in about 40 years from Acts 2? What's going to happen to Jerusalem? It's going to be destroyed. And and, and that is all part of God's plan and God's righteous judgment. But those that called upon the name of the Lord as prescribed by the gospel were being added to the remnant of faithful ones. And in Acts 2... Was it Gentiles that were saved? No, it was Jews. And Paul is not saved until some years later. And he's added to that number. And so God does save all who receive his son by hearing and heeding. And in turn, they receive forgiveness, which is a matter of mercy and grace and God adds them to that remnant by grace by grace we become a component of the remnant of the saved any any other thoughts you know maybe someone to share on these first few verses anybody chris over here Just that God's truth is very much take it or leave it. Yes, that's, that's it. Thank you. Anything else? I guess I, I guess I can't help but continue to think the remnant still exists today. Because not all who are Christians and I hope I say this the right way the way it's intended are going to be saved. When you think about Revelation and the, the the message of Christ to the seven churches, their lampstand could be taken away mm-hmm. because of unbelief, unfaithfulness, things along that line. So there continues to be an, that remnant, and the lesson for us is we need to be, make sure that we're a part of that remnant. Good point, yes. And once again, it's based upon faithfulness. And if we're not walking faithfully, you know, uh, before God in Christ, just because we profess or claim or and have worn the the name of our uh, of our King and Lord, you know, Jesus Christ, yeah. If we don't continue, you know, If we don't uphold, you know, you know that relationship, you're right. You know, those who are once numbered can be, you know, cast out. Good point. Matthew seven. Yes, Matthew seven. Right. Yes. You know, and so, and it's not, it's not, like I say, it's not just the other guy out there that, that can fall into that trap. Yeah, you know, it can be any one of us if we're not alert to make sure we're walking by faith. Well, let's move on and just kind of, you know, once again, looking at this first little section. And so in the next few verses, what you have is Israel as a nation, we've kind of made this point already, as a nation, they've missed the mark. You know, they have not attained righteousness. They are not at a right standing with Jehovah. And so you see, you see that, you know, what Israel is seeking, it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. And so once again, they obtained this righteousness, it's by faith in Christ, by submitting through calling upon the Lord as he has prescribed in his word. And so what we have here is this idea, Paul in his argument, or I say the spirit in the argument through Paul is saying Israel desired God's acceptance. Israel wanted to be right with God. They wanted God's approval, but they didn't attain it. They missed it. They missed the mark. And the reason why is because they did not do so by faith. Instead, they hardened their hearts to God's message, to God's revelation. You know, they, they rejected God's word, they rejected God's plan, and in the end they rejected God's anointed one. You know, they rejected the Christ. And, and you think about that idea, why it's such a powerful statement in Acts 2, verse 36, when he says, This Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made, both Lord and Christ. I mean, you know, th- those are powerful words, you know, you know, that needed to be recognized to the impact of what that means and all the ramifications that comes with that. And so here you know, he says, okay, Israel as a nation, you know, an individual Jew can be saved. They can be accepted, you know, it's going to be by faith, you know, in God and in Christ, you know, but as a nation, Israel did not become righteous, you know, through their pursuits. And so he uses a couple of, of uh, Old Testament passages, Isaiah and, and Psalm. In Isaiah 29, uh, you've got verse nine and ten is where those words are found. The the, the context of that section of Isaiah 29 are actually wor- they're, they're words of judgment against Jerusalem so in the in the midst of this judgment being spoken by Isaiah in the city of Jerusalem saying God's going to judge you and of course we know time-wise that that happens you know you know about 100 years later or 100 150 years later or so if I got my dates correct I may get a little bit mixed up but anyway so Isaiah before and says judgment's coming and he said, and, uh, and it's coming because of their sin. And so in, in this particular section, we have God pronouncing that his people, his chosen nation, is, and in, in, the, in those verses, the idea talks about you know, you know, the intoxication of sleep and blindness. He says, you're going to be intoxicated with sleep and blindness. And the reason why, he says, is because you, know, you have served me with empty words, you have served me without your hearts now you know, you know so these words you know that you know, that is says here the idea of god gave them a spirit of stupor and eyes to see not and ears to hear not down to this very day even the point, and so you have this idea here there are hearts that were not serving god and Jesus uses the same, you know, later on in another context when talking about their worship. In vain do they worship me. It's, it's the same passage. And so here is the side, okay, you know, Israel's nation, they've missed it. Why is that? Why did they miss it? It was because of their unbelief, Because of their choices. And so he illustrates, okay, you think that in history. God judged them, held them accountable for their actions because they did not serve me, obey me, worship me as I had directed. So that's, you know, that's illustrating the hardness of their hearts. Did God make them hard in their own hearts? Did he force that upon them? No, he did not. And he's illustrating it is their choice. You have those that do obtain it, obtain righteousness, and you have those that don't obtain righteousness. But it's, it's a matter of choice of faith. And he says, Israel chose unbelief. And so God judged them, and then you got David there in verse nine and ten, where you've got Psalm sixty-nine, where that psalm is a prayer. It's a prayer of deliverance from enemies. So that's 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 the broad context. David is petitioning the God of the universe, you know, the Redeemer and God of Israel. He's petitioning him in regard to adversaries, enemies, and he's asking for deliverance. And he's doing so because of the mistreatment at the hands of those enemies. And so basically, what please uh, pour out your indignation, pour out your wrath on them so that their circumstances would be such that they will reap what they have sown. That's kind of the the gist of it. David is asking, you know, may they get back what they've dished out to others. And so it's in that context that you've got these words about let their table become a snare, and may they, you know, and a stumbling block, and let their eyes be darkened and and, and bend their backs forever. It's in the one second, It's in the context, you know, in the idea of adversaries. Yeah, uh, uh, against David and God's people, calling for deliverance. And once again, it's illustrating this idea of the hardness, the hardness of heart of Israel and many Jews. And so, you think of the idea: let their table. And if you think in the sense of how it's being applied to Israel here, and you're thinking, you think know, the table of Israel was a religious table. It may may have been like the table of God's law. And and that that became became a stumbling block to them. Think about that. Not only have they hardened their own hearts, and in a sense they have become intoxicated with their own blindness, they've become intoxicated with their spiritual apathy and lukewarmness and, and, and sleep, he says, but also, you know, the table has become a snare to them. It has become a stumbling block to them. Why? Because they misunderstood God's plan. They misunderstood God's law and the greater purpose, the divine role of that law, and how it was to cause them to be a holy people so that God could fulfill his purpose, and in turn that would lead them to whom? Who who, who was the law leading to? It was leading to Christ, Galatians 3 again. You know, the law was a tutor, but now that Christ has come, you're not under that tutor. But you know, here's his it, was, it was there until what arrived, the seed, until the seed arrived. And so it, there was this purpose there, but this purpose that God had set and implanted in the law and the relationship he had with his people, well, it had become a table of stumbling, it had become an ensnarement to them so that when the seed did arrive, you know, when God laid the cornerstone, you know, they rejected it. You know, they turned away from it. In spite of the fact, I think for most people, most people you know, realize that you know, the message of Jesus, it was a good message. They liked the the things he was doing. They they loved the miracles. But to suggest that he is the Messiah, to suggest that he is the Son of God, suggest that he's bringing a new covenant, well, that was just too too much for most Jews to accept. That that was God's plan all along. And so Israel's failures or Israel's sins, it it was their own choice. And it all grew out of their unbelief. An unbelief that didn't trust God, didn't trust God's word, didn't trust God's promises. And so he says, and of course, this is all part to, to make, make the point of verse 5. In the present time, there is a remnant. In spite of the fact, this is this was, was what Israel has done. This is how the nation as whole has reacted. But there is a remnant. There is a remnant, yeah, that is according to God's gracious choice. And, and you think about that in a sense, the so called 7,000 remnant, yeah, that has always been the case. It may not always have been 7,000 at the moment, but there are, there's always been this idea throughout God's relationship with his people that it, w- it was not the whole, but it was the few. Who was the remnant? In the days of the flood. It was Noah and his family. That was the remnant. You know, a remnant that was chosen and accepted because of faith. You know, a faith that heeded God. And therefore God numbered them. They were chosen. And so that has been the case throughout history. So, and so you think about th- throughout the history of, of Israel and Judah, you know, in the days of Elijah, you've got this 7,000. You, know, even the, when you think about the prophets when they're prophesying in Jerusalem and Judah. You know, and you've got, the, you've got the Micahs and the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs and the Ezekiels and the Daniels. They were among the remnant. They were among the spiritual remnant. And yet, this rejection or this fall of Israel, what did it turn out to be? It led to the riches of salvation going to the world. And that was God's plan all along. And and so it is, you know, what you have, this question is asked, well, you know, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? You know, that wasn't their purpose. Did, you know, their, their purpose wasn't so that they would fall. You know, and, and no, he says, no, no that's not what, you know, you know, what this means at all. Israel, Israel did not stumble for the purpose that they would fall away. And that God would, you know, and God wanted, he didn't want those people anyway. You know, and so he predetermined before birth that, okay, they're going to be lost anyway, no matter what. You no, know, that's not what, that, that was not God's plan. You know, the, the point is, they did stumble. But out of that stumbling, what was the result? That's the point. In chapter 9, they stumbled over God's stone in Zion. You, go, you know, so you glance back in chapter 9. You look there in 32 and 33. You know, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. So that's, you know, that's that's chapter 9. In chapter 10... In verse sixteen, we're told they did not believe God's report. They did not believe the message of the prophets, and the message of John, and the message of Jesus. They didn't believe it. And so, and so, therefore, yes, they stumbled. But out of that stumbling, out of you know, in spite of the fact that they fell away, did not cause God's plan. To not work out. God still fulfilled His purpose. He still brought salvation through Israel. He still did it in spite of their rejection of Him. But by the fact, as a whole, they're not accepted because they're not numbered among the faithful remnant. You know, they chose, you know, not to participate in God's choice. They chose to depart and deviate from the truth. That was their choice. But in spite of the fact, they stumbled and they. You know the table became a snare to them, God still brought salvation to the world to the point that both Jew and Jenna alike can be saved. And so when Jews, by wicked hands, crucified the Messiah, the Messiah of grace, the Messiah of truth, when they crucified the very one supposedly they were looking for, Did all Jews cut themselves off forever from any possibility of receiving the free gift of God in that Messiah? No. Did they crucify Jesus? Yes. But remember Paul. Paul was a Jew who... Based upon the, what we know about him, in my judgment, if he had been present on the day of the trials and at the day of his crucifixion, where would he have been? He would have been, casting his vote against. yes, casting a vote against Christ. Because at that point, he was an unbeliever. He became a believer, and that's the beautiful story of Saul that the worst kind of unbeliever can be convicted and convinced and so the good news that explains think about this you know here you got the good news that explains to us that both Jews and Gentiles together stand on equal footing before God that's Romans 1 through 3 before God all men no matter what their ethnicity is no matter what their nationality is no matter what their race is all men stand on equal footing before God. We're sinners because we choose sin. We choose selfishness and covetousness. But at the same time, we stand equally on, uh, together as having the opportunity of being recipients of the blessings that come in Christ. And so you have here this idea of the transgression that brings about riches for the Gentiles. And Paul basically saying, in my, in my ministry, it's such that uh, my goal is, yes, to focus on t- preaching to the Gentiles, but also I am endeavoring to save some Jews. The preaching to the Gentiles did cause Jews to be zealous. Go to, look very briefly in Acts 13. Acts 13, first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas. You know, notice verse 56. You know, the, you know, previously, the, the Jews were speaking against uh, their, mess, their, their preaching and blaspheming them. And so Paul and Barnabas respond you know, It was necessary the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. In verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified God, and many of them believed. Then verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and leading men of a city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnes and drove them out of the district. So clearly you see, you know, yes, Jews' zeal, the word je- jealousy in its root meaning means zeal. And so the Jews' zeal was for Judaism. That was the problem, and it was against Christ. But as an apostle and minister of the word of Christ, even though sent to the Jews, Paul, what Paul longed to do is be able to turn that zeal in a different direction so that they would have a zeal for salvation in Christ. I want to end just kind of very quickly on these comments, and that is, I want you to note here in verse 14. Note when Paul says he spoke of saving some of the Jews. This inspired text does not teach universal salvation of physical Israel. There will be no gathering together of fleshly Israel into God's favor in the future sometime. This text does not at all hint at that. Rather, he says there's some, and they're going to be saved how? They're saved by faith, and they're going to be saved the same way a Gentile is saved. And so... In Christ, the believer is made alive, and a sinful Jew has opportunity to be saved. And that's the point. But you have to be through Christ and faith. Thank you very much for your attention and your comments. Thank you.